Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is Deidre Colgan, Colgan De uh, Jones. Deirdre, yeah, Deirdre. Deirdre, sorry. <laughs> like you're writing a letter to somebody, Deirdre. I am so okay. dyslexic. The worst That's thing fine. I ever did for myself is like learn how, like, it's, I, I get exposed all the time. Sometimes people take it personally and I feel really bad. I like, at first I thought it was just the thing that people would be okay with, but I apologize. No um, uh, so, okay. So I, you had me on an adventure today. Uh, and I get, I always like to contextualize like, you know, in a sort of not full disclosure kind of sense, but just so people know the relationship I have with people. We don't really know each other that well. So I have a lot of interests and questions. So as far as I've been able to ascertain, you are originally from Dublin and you live in Chicago? I do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's a very helpful bio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want anybody to think that I was like psychic. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, so, so how do you, uh, how did you end up there? From uh, from from Dublin to uh, Chicago, that seems like I'm sure there's. Is there a big uh, Irish community over there? I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here by a very meandering route, very circuitous, um, and I've lived in America now longer than I ever lived in Ireland, which is very strange to me. I left Ireland in 1993, so Ooh. it's been, it was a, good been a long time. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up moving from Dublin straight to New Mexico. I lived in between Taos and Santa Fe. And I was very much off the beaten path there for a few years. And I lived there for two years. And then I, I had completed art school in Dublin at the National College of Art and Design, NCAD, which at the time I was doing my degree was the only place you could really get a four-year degree in art. And so, in, uh, I, in, where was this? In was Dublin. In, in Dublin. In Dublin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that now the only place? A, Sorry. Go now ahead. there's a bunch of art colleges with four-year degrees, but at the time in the early '90s, there was art colleges around the country, and then NCAD was where everyone ended up to get the final year of what they had done. You know, they had to mm. transfer and to actually get the bachelor's. So it was like a very strange. I mean, the population of Ireland is only four million when you think about that, and one million live in Dublin. So it's we're like uh, America's 350 million, right? I think so. I know Chicago's about 7 million, which blows my mind because it's like yeah. bigger than my whole country, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, anyway. That, that's crazy. Yeah. And you start very... thinking about the world like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole different scale, you know, when yeah. you're back on you... Island. <laughs> yeah. So I decided. So... So, you know, so 93, so uh, I mean, I don't want to date you or anything or force you to disclose anything you don't want to disclose. I don't mind disclosing my age. Okay. I'm actually very proud of my age and I, I'm turning 50 this year. So it's like 50. a real landmark year for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 50 in May. So I feel, I actually feel really good about that and really? that I'm sort of like just on my track, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, for one of the first times of my life I felt like I'm on a good track uh, career-wise awesome. age-wise whatever it's taken a long time 
But um, but yeah, I found myself in this very rural community where I was the only person from Ireland. I was the only person in Taos, New Mexico that spoke differently at the time. You know, it was very small. I think the population of Taos is like 8,000 people at the time. This was before Julia Roberts moved there. You know, it was very uh, remote. And uh, I couldn't handle that in the end. I really wanted to be city anonymous you know when you just can go and sit down and have a cup of coffee and no one bothers you and so I ended up a friend came to visit me one summer and she we both had these glorious visas which were diversity visas Mm -hmm. and so I basically got a green card in the lottery and it was sponsored by a guy called Morrison. I did, never even found out who it was. Some senator called Morrison. It's a Morrison visa. And uh, you had to apply, send your information. And it was really like winning the lottery to get one. That's and, insane. Yeah, it was mad. So you didn't, <laughs> so I, you didn't marry a, a corn-fed white boy? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to that. <laughs> but... um. Not for your visa, at least. Not for my visa. (laughs) I was fully naturalized, as they call it, you know, by the time I met my husband. But um, yeah, we both moved to San Francisco together. So I lived in San Francisco for, I really wanted to go back to grad school, get an MFA. And I thought I was going to apply to Berkeley, so I needed residency. And I, we just moved. And that was where I came in touch with a big Irish community. At the time, there was like a huge scene of like all the startups were hiring Irish people because they're mm-hmm. really good at math. <laughs> so there was like really? a big. That's a, such know. a such I a know. weird stereotype that I've never heard. <laughs> I'm not particularly good at math, but I feel like I had a really good math education. You know, they hey, did I'm, their best. <laughs> I'm almost inclined to Google it because it just seems yeah. such like such a weird. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that as like a, maybe that's like a national identity thing more than like something that people think about. Maybe it is, yeah, Yeah. it's really strange. There's a lot of engineers, there's a lot of pressure on you to do STEM stuff, you know, at the time I grew up in Ireland anyway, now, you know, this was back in the 80s, 90s, but your education in Ireland at the time was free and you, so you didn't have to pay any college tuition, but you did have to apply on a competitive basis to get in so you're you did this huge exam called the leaving certificate and every grade you got gave you a point (laughs) and to get into the highly sought after professions you know your points had to be super high so everybody was really into you know studying and education and I was sort of not on that track because I was going to art college which was all about portfolio you know so yeah um, but yeah it was education in Ireland is very important it's very valued it's very highly regarded I I understood when I saw all those guys in San Francisco anyway I remember living in a it was basically a party house that myself and my friend ended up in full of these Irish guys that had come over for the summer and we're trying to figure out if they wanted to stay or not and hearing them on the phone like they'd be drinking all night and then they'd be on the phone all day to like get airport jobs or civil engineering jobs or, you know, computer, like early days of Oracle jobs. And like, it was just such a weird um, scene. 
back in the and 90s. this was what years were, what years are we looking at because that the, i'm trying i'm just trying to think yeah. of that in the terms of the american arc that we seem to find ourselves in right yeah now. like i so i moved from new mexico to san francisco in 1995 summer 1995 Five. okay and i lived there for four years so i lived there a year and then i ended up at the California College of Arts and Crafts, it was called, and now it's CCA, very confusing, but it was CCAC when I went. And I did my master's there, and then I stayed almost a year after that. So I was there a total of four years. Cool. And, um, and then what brought you to Chicago before we well, get into your topic? Yeah, so Chicago drew me here because of architecture, because it's a city of architects. It's a city for architecture. It's a built city. It's got this amazing site you know it's on a coast but it's an internal coast it's got this body of water that's as big as any ocean I'd ever seen Lake Michigan and the city just ends in the lake you know it's this yeah. incredible, like I can walk down you know about a mile and a half and I I'm living closer to the lake than I ever have these days and I can just walk 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 through city streets and then I'm at the beach it's just like a very you know, there's no, the lake is accessible to everyone. They very, the planners of Chicago, Daniel Burnham and all those made it very accessible to the general mm -hmm. public who live here. So I love that about Chicago. I really do. And I mean, even if you think, I don't know if you know San Francisco, but it's a real hike to get to the beach. And it's almost like being in a different city when you're at Ocean Beach. You know, sometimes you'd be sunny downtown San Francisco and then you'd go to Ocean Beach and it's completely foggy and, you know, wrecked. I don't know if it's like that in L.A., but it's really different in Chicago. You know, the beach is yeah. accessible all year round. And it's San Francisco, I found it was either green or brown. You know, here we have proper like four season year. And I, I just, it's a difficult city. It's sometimes very brutal, but I really feel at home here. You know, sort in what of, sense? Is it mostly weather or is it, does it, do you feel like oppressed by the city itself? You know, I have to get out of it every now and then. But when I, on the daily basis, I'm very comfortable here. I feel like it suits my personality. I kind of like having something to push against, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think if I didn't have an edge, like in San Francisco, I was constantly looking for an edge because the city is not an edge at all. It's so beautiful. It's like, we used to call San Francisco Tiernanog. I don't know if you've ever heard that myth from Ireland, but Tiernanog is the land of eternal youth. <laughs> it's like, oh, I imagine okay. LA is kind of the same, but there's a story about a man who goes to Tiernanog and his, he follows a fairy woman who called Neve, who brings him on a horse. And she says, you know, now are you sure you want to come here? Because once you come to Tiernanog, you know, you have to say goodbye to everything. You can never come back. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I love you, Neve. You know, so he lived as a king in Tiernanog. And then one day he really missed his family and his father. And he decided, you know, I'm just going to take the horse. I'm going to ask Neve if it's okay if I can just go back for a visit. And she said, well, if you really have to, there's one way you can visit, but just don't get off the horse. You know, just stay on the horse while you're there and then you can come back to me to Tiernanog. So he tried it, but he ended up seeing a really old man and he had to help him and he 
accidentally came off the horse and he turned mm-hmm. into a hundreds year old man because he was after aging, you know, a couple of hundred years. And then, of course, he died and he never made it back mm-hmm. to Tierna now. But I feel like if you go to San Francisco, you know, that's that happens really easily. You know, it's kind of hard to keep track of time. It's yeah. hard. To, you know, you, there's always fun, to, but it's very hard to do work there, I found. And I don't know. I can totally get that. <laughs> I I uh I I spent some time in San Francisco and like in regards to what you were saying about wanting some level of anonymity even though it's a city it's really hard to not run into people there. I I went I spent a day with my sister while she was living there and it was just it was like being in high school, you know, like <laughs> you, you know walking in a hallway and it, it like she couldn't have a moment's peace and she seemed happy but I could see that getting tiresome. And the other thing is that, uh, I don't know. I think that one of the things you probably don't lose is the sense of being, like, I guess that pushing thing. I remember that, because I live in LA and we live in pods here. So I remember when- Even the pandemic, you live- <laughs> even, Yeah, even before. Well, I, I always say this. I don't know if you've seen the, the, the last- uh, uh, Blade Runner movie, the second one, the uh, but modern one, the new one. I've only seen yeah. the old one. <laughs> yeah, well, the old one's great, and the new one's great too. But the in the new one, there are just long shots of him driving, and it like it when you're watching that in a movie, and they put that in the movie, it feels really lonely, right? Because mm-hmm. you never see him really interacting with people; you just see him getting from place to place. And so. When I was in San Francisco, my sister uh, and I, who also, like, it was, I have two sisters, the one who lived there and the one that was visiting, and we were in public transit, and we we grew up in Rome, so we were familiar with this, but we've just gotten so deep, like, so used to our lifestyles that when we were there, uh, my little sister who lives there noticed, like, oh, you're not used to being around people like this, because, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, like, people that are characters and very outgoing like everybody's in each other's business in a way and i feel like maybe san like chicago has a little bit of that where like you have um, your steel box around yourself you mean for no i I felt i felt like you know people are out in the street especially in summertime maybe in the winter time it's a different vibe but like i only went there for the summer bipolar it's it's completely different it's so funny like it's there's been a few days now that have been above 60 degrees. And it's like, even with the pandemic, everyone comes out of the woodwork. You know, you yeah. realize, oh, yeah, there are people that live here. It's not just yeah. me putting on my massive parka, you know, and my <laughs> and going over to the lake. It's been totally so, yeah, you get both things. You but get that being person. said, when when the sun is out, man, people it's get right. out. It's like, yeah. it, you, you know, and then I also, because uh, I was uh, dating someone that was living there and we had like a long distance thing going, but she explained it to me that they, that like people play a lot of board games and, and there's a lot of like indoor activities and the vibe like at dinner parties was very much, not that people were making activities, but it felt lively in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, have to enter I don't know. To- I, yeah, I don't even remember what it's like to dine indoors anyway. But <laughs> what, a, what an extra abstract concept. But yeah, I definitely rem- I I definitely see the differences between those two cities and uh, and I I mean they're both very active art wise, right? But yeah. uh, but it does feel like maybe 
maybe being in San Francisco is like always being in college, especially <laughs> if you went to school there. <laughs> well, when I was graduating from CCAC, everybody I knew from my graduating year was moving to LA because it was so yes. much cheaper to live there. It was, you know, Santa Monica was really getting, you know, developed for artist studios. There was kind of like a yeah. much better art economy in LA than there was in San Francisco at the time. And yeah. everything in San Francisco, as you mentioned, it's like a small village in many ways. So it's kind of like very colloquial. There's pockets of it. And beyond San Francisco in the Bay Area, you know, like our graduate studios, when I was attending CCAC, were in Emeryville before it got turned into kind of like a mini Silicon Valley. And there wasn't an Ikea there. We were like right on the Amtrak tracks when I was um, living or working there. So there was kind of communities that were affordable that you could, you know, live and work in, but it definitely was a, a difficult place. There's only, I think I only know like a, one person from my graduating year that remained in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah it's living in Richmond now, which is sort of, you know, pretty far out. It's sort but, of um, that, that hard edged yeah. New York, uh, there's something when people are on that much on top of each other. I remember I, I lived in Florence and I went to school there for, for a while. And I just remember how like much, because I grew up in Italy, in Rome, and Romans are very outgoing, right? Like, Are your parents <laughs> Italian? No, my parents are Cuban, but my dad oh, worked for the UN. But, oh, cool. but when I was in Florence, I just, even I was just cranky, right? Because it's, especially in the winter yeah. time, like, uh, so People have, like, I don't know if it's a Tuscan thing, but definitely Florentines are very, uh, Fiorentini are very, um, like, they have a hard edge to them and they're just like, they don't have fucking time for you. It's a very New Yorker kind of, like, mentality. And, and I don't necessarily think San Francisco is like that, but San Francisco just, it, it's, it's almost like it. It feels a little weird sometimes, like the friendliness there. <laughs> it's almost too friendly. It's It was yeah. a real wake-up call when I moved to Chicago. I remember saying to my friends, because I had two really close friends that were both Irish that lived, my friend that I'd moved with and another friend who I went to school with, and they stayed in San Francisco for about 10. One of them is still there, but the other one moved back to Ireland a few years ago. But I remember just being devastated, like going into... Uh, a shop in Chicago people were just like blunt they would just yeah, yeah. not attend you or ignore you you know it was very different from the California you know over friendliness and um laid backness yeah. but I kind of appreciate that about Chicago it sort of is more like um there's more of a realness you know it's what I grew up with Irish people are kind of more like that. well at least in the city you know they're friendly but it's like not always I don't know. It's it you know conversationally, it's it's a good place to live. And I people are genuine. You have to be I, careful in Ireland because you could be speaking to like a long lost relative that moved somewhere else. <laughs> 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 so people in Ireland are generally like pretty friendly, <laughs> even if people they don't really know. Yeah, that's crazy. So um, okay, so you have a topic. And we, I mean, we've been talking for a little bit and we've, it's been l lovely, but I definitely want to ask you about the scavenger hunt. I don't know what order you want to do things. Do you want to announce your topic first and then we'll talk about the scavenger hunt? Yeah. So you can probably tell my, so my topic is this idea that um, ordinary things are something that we can, well, I feel that I've spent all the time I've 
spent making art. I've focused on the idea that I want to bring more attention to the things that already exist, to ordinary items and things. And mm. I came up with this belief that, and, and read a lot about this, that our brains, both from an evolutionary perspective and from a physical perspective, are organs that discount, they're discounting organs, right? So mm -hmm. we are have been bred to take things for granted because if a predator should be in the vicinity, we have to pay attention to what's novel, what's new, right? So our mm -hmm. brains are always scanning for new things. And because of that, they've been sort of bred evolutionary-wise to tune things out, right? So. Yeah you probably know the deal like if you have a pile of laundry in your room you kind of stop seeing it after a few days right <laughs> it's like the mess what are you saying about my lifestyle <laughs> i know i am my no no, no, no i'm teasing i'm teasing <laughs> so, i mean if you think about the way you go about your day if you move if something's out of place it really draws your attention yeah, yeah right yeah. you know so it, and it's kind of you know the equivalent for me is if you say a word over and over again, you kind of, it develops a sense of alienness, right? So I'm very interested Roar. in this idea, color. <laughs> right. That's the, 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 I remember that one being the one that just like, I spaced out <laughs> at one point. I, I was probably on a bus ride in school, like on my way to school. And it was just like, I just spaced out. And I was like, what does that even mean? It's so weird phonetically. But yeah, once you start like breaking down like the sounds and stuff like that, and you say it so, enough? I'm interested in the idea that you can also have like spatial alienness or okay. item, an object alienness, you know, to kind of, and I think for me, the reason this started is because I've been an outsider. You know, I, I this wasn't where I grew up. You were mm -hmm. the same, you grew up in a different place. So things appear very differently. Like I remember even in New Mexico, San Francisco, and then now Chicago, when I first moved here, I, I love how you say Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> I think I say it was probably say it with the Chicago accent at this point. Yeah, way. you do. <laughs> well, it's all Irish. It's like it's like one of those uh, newscasters that speaks it, that is like in Spanish, but then they're like they say that <laughs> estamos hoy, hoy hoy en las in in Miami Beach. <laughs> Estaban <laughs> se murieron tres gente. You know, like I'm, it's been so long since I've watched that kind of TV. But you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I've sidetracked you. <laughs> I feel like a Chicagoan, so I'm proud. Of it. <laughs> no, but I definitely feel. I I just wanted to give you the props because you say Chicago. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> oh gosh, yeah. So. That is the idea behind this treasure hunt. And I'm very interested in hearing how you got on. And I'd love you to share the items. And yeah, I almost sure. wanted There's you one to I'm really excited about, which is like funny. A to flat lay <laughs> or something like some kind of like the opposite of an influencer, but like a flat lay of ordinary things <laughs> that you like crawled around looking for. I'm dying to see. I'm so grateful that you took it on. And the only it. thing that the only thing is that I haven't posted the picture yet. I will the uh, 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 on uh, on my Instagram, and then I also mm -hmm. haven't. Um, I, I forgot to, I, or I didn't take an artistic picture of the stone. Okay. <laughs> Those are two outstanding items that you can do later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, I, I have the mail, but like I, I, it, I, I work both days. <laughs> so, but I, I have them and I'm happy to like 
open, uh, uh, rip them open right now, and then uh, and then show you the windows that I have. And then my flat box also has a window. Cool. That's awesome. Is it pasta and, or something else? No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, what kind of stereotypes? Because <laughs> I grew up in no, Italy. No, boxes are my favorite simply because they have windows. So. <laughs> but no, I well, well, since we're talking about that one, okay. So um, I wish I had a better way, like a second oh. camera, but this is my flat box. Ooh. And one of the things that I do like about it, oh, I just ripped it with the, sticker from the label of the plastic thing <laughs> oh. this all my uh all my items are fighting each other so then it has the reflective inside thing nice. uh there was a plastic piece that i that i could have kept but i didn't want to like you know double dip for the plastic i'm really enjoying like looking at this on the really <laughs> on the yeah, tv reflective things are amazing right yeah Plus, but then what is nice is that they both have the hole from the uh, the twisty ties, and then if yeah. you look at this, it has all the scarring. Oh, that's twisty great! Ties. So there's all these beautiful marks on it, uh, and then I must have just gotten really frustrated with the box. I don't know what happened to that part, but I think that that you know that that's, that, part, that, of yeah. that's part of it. That's okay. like your gesture imbued in the box. Yes, <laughs> I, there's the gesture of the worker uh, from the uh, from the scratch scratches, and then the mm -hmm. um, the hole where uh, the twisty ties that held. So sorry. If you're listening to the episode and you're not watching it on YouTube, it is a car charger, wireless car charger thing. And one of the prompts, that the reason I chose this is that you said that um, it had to be something that you used usually. So this is like something that's in my car. I use pretty regularly. I feel very, I nailed it. Boom. That. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I almost wanted this to be like, the way people take Solowitz drawing instructions, you know, uh -huh. and do their own thing to them. And then that part of it is, you know, so this is all an experiment, Javier. Okay. Is it Javier or Javier? How do you Javier. Say Javier, okay, yeah. Sorry, thank you. I get to clarify your name too, Javier. That's all right. I really appreciate you because this is an experiment. You are the first person I've given this list to, but I do plan to ask friends in other cities to do it as well. So Oh, it was it I mean, it was an interesting decision-making process and yeah. I I know I sound proud of that one, but that was like one of the first ones that I got. Cool. There's one that I'm really proud of and I'm going to show that last, I think I've decided as as we're doing this. But, so should okay. I read the prompts or do you want to just show? Yeah, you can, you can, you can kind of, yeah. I mean, it's a long prompt, so it might be weird yeah. to just read it out, yeah. but, uh, we can, we can read, eat, let's do it like this. Read it as I present it. So what's the oh, prompt yeah. for that one? Okay. So what, do, what do you want to show next? Okay. So the prompt, what is it? Do you want to read the prompt just to be oh. thorough with, with the, uh, yeah, with yeah, the flat the one? Container. Sure. Yes. So that was prompt number five and it asked for a cardboard container. A, collect a cardboard box from something you use frequently. B, not a thick cardboard box, but one with manufacturer's printing on it, thin cardboard. And then C, unfold this box completely so that it's flat. Yeah. So, so that's that. And it's a car charger box. What's number? So then I guess now read number one. Okay. Number one is mail. 
A, collect mail you receive. And by the way, this is all very last minute, kind of on purpose, because I didn't want you to overthink it at the same time. So no, I just fine. gave you collect mail you receive on Tuesday, 323, which was yesterday, and Wednesday, 324, which was today, 2021. B, carefully remove all contents to preserve the envelopes. Use a knife or a letter opener. And then C, collect any envelopes with windows in them. Oh, so. man. Uh... I guess I'll just run real quick and cut this part out. It's at 602. <laughs> All right. I just need to, I needed a blade to cut it because I forgot yeah. it wasn't, it was like a neat, neat thing. Yeah. It's so okay. much better if you use a blade. I'm going to leave the one that comes from the IRS off. <laughs> <laughs> Those have the best envelopes, though. <laughs> no, I, it's probably for the uh, for the check, but I didn't want to give them press that I got my money. I, was oh, like, nice. I still want to be bitter at the government because uh, in Ireland, they're probably treating people better, right? Oh, God, no. Believe it or not. Really? I, you guys are neoliberal, too? Well, at the moment. But... Speaking of pandemic, like my mother is 78 this year and she has yet to receive a vaccine and there's no end in sight. She doesn't know what they don't seem to have a plan for rolling out the vaccine in Ireland. It's really unorganized right now and it's very aggravating. And um, do I, they have access to it the same way that like, I mean, no. No, I mean, Germany, France, a lot of people in Europe are having problems getting hold of the vaccine, but she's waiting for a call from her doctor and she just hasn't received it yet. I, on the other hand, have received vaccine one because we have a child with medical complications. So we were eligible to be in the group one, see the early one. So I'm, I just feel so lucky, but I felt so bad telling my mom, like I have my first vaccine. And then my brother, <laughs> my brother who actually lives in California too, my youngest brother, I have three younger brothers and uh, the youngest one used to live in San Francisco, which was amazing. Cause it meant I had like, you know, borrowed home in San Francisco for a few years, but he's actually moved to Nevada city now. So he's living kind of, um, out there out a city yeah with his partner and uh that sounds like it's out of a comic book Nevada <laughs> <laughs> city california it's really close to like Tahoe and Nevada you know cities in california yeah all it's right you you need to stop blowing my mind and slow things down <laughs> <laughs> you need to learn northern california <laughs> i actually knew in that and nanny near from... nevada <laughs> <laughs> nevada city California, yeah, so it must be right on the border or something. It's probably when the highway was was old. It went through there. But yeah, my my youngest brother Jim got his Johnson and Johnson one and done vaccine. He just got it last oh, weekend. So that's I, pretty fancy. Ireland is way behind right now. All right, last I've I've been uh, if you've been hearing the ruffling of paper throughout this uh, <laughs> conversation, it. I'm finishing up opening all my mail. <laughs> I literally. Do not check my mail, and I just realized that I've gotten like a um, a couple of important things. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, but we're all digital now. Bonanza. <laughs> yeah, but no, apparently, uh, jury summons still come. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah. Does your mail come? To, do you get your mail from the house, or do you have a PO box, or? 
No, I get it at the house. I'm okay. just lazy. And uh, like, I know that most of it is useless. All right. So we're going to have some fun because, and I, and I don't know if you knew that what was going to happen when we opened all these envelopes with windows, but, uh, do you, uh, do you want to speculate as to what we're going to see? Um, are you, you're going to remove the contents, right? And show, show the various windows. You don't have to, if you don't want to show like where the mail is from, just show like the back of it or, you know, put your hand in it or you can, you know, you can keep it anonymous. When no, I mean, the, the, I mean, I can, I can sort of just cover up like who my insurance company is, but most of the <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, whatever but, you do, comfortable revealing it. Okay. Little. Anyway. Hopefully, any of there's no like hackers that can look at all these numbers and like social engineer you, my life. You don't life have to away. show your mail though; just the outside envelope. Is no, fine. no, no. I'm just saying there's like little numbers right. on, <laughs> oh, okay, right. on this code right oh, here, and I'm right. like, anyway. What I do like is that uh, my this is my car insurance company, mm -hmm. and it says thank you, thank you for we your appreciate business. Appreciate your business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> So then, uh, would you have ever noticed that if you hadn't have done this exercise? Huh? Would you have ever? I, I, I've I've sort of been one of those losers that uh, tried to use security envelopes as like a medium. So, you know, I just never found a way to use it like not cheesy. But this is cool. Like you know, like I was just like, oh, I'm gonna use it as like materials, and I was just like, why don't you just draw? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's like the creative process, right? You know, <laughs> I might still use it, but I did at one point I did buy like uh, $30 worth of envelopes just to sort of see what the security ones that I could find. There's some cool ones, that, but, but anyway, this is nice to like go down memory lane, even though like I have thought of it. Okay. So this is the one that comes, th I'm just going to show you my, I'm going to assume it's that I, I'm not getting audited and that this is the uh, $1,400 check one. And oh. I want you to see the bonanza of texture nice. that we have within this window. Look at those patterns. Yeah. How cool. When you had, I guess the reason that I bring up, I hadn't, I didn't think of the, this when you, when it was in the prompt, I thought like, cause I know your work. I thought there might be some like collaging thing that you wanted me to do. But I mean, this is like some like mental collaging for sure. So <laughs> I don't want to say it's not, but it's okay. <laughs> huh? It's collage prep. Prep. Yeah, exactly. Collection. Collection. And that, that is an important part of all art practice. So I do appreciate it anyway. Oh, nice. Ooh, the blue. I love that blue. Is that a linear? Like a, yeah. It looks like a tie, you know, like... That's really cool. Very Tie cool. pattern. All right, and then this one's fun. Ooh. Oh, we should describe it. So then this, these are herring like uh, more like chevrons. Like a herringbone. That's awesome. That's very fabric, textile. It's almost like a expensive linen suit or like Donegal tweed. It's like a tweed pattern, isn't it? Green. Yeah. I've never seen that one. And I've looked at a lot of envelopes. Yeah. I, I Well, I'm glad that we have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So that's number one. Okay. Let's go on to number two. Number two was an elected space photograph, but you're going to post that on Instagram. Do you have a space yeah. in mind that you want to mention? I basically just, I spent so much time on this space that it's this space. So the space cool. behind me, uh, my YouTube background, it was, uh, read the prompt so that we know 
if I okay. if I just cheated or if we actually if I actually followed the direction. Okay. So the prompt is an elected space. A, take a photo of a space that is very familiar to you. B, it can be outside or inside. You should see or use it every day. C, post this photo on Instagram and I gave you a hashtag. hashtag okay, I feel good about my, my direction following. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. It's usually a space that's so familiar to you that you just overlook it, like what we talk about, you know. Yeah. I mean, I overlook it most of the time and it is, it, it can be a friggin' mess because back here is my pedal board and mm -hmm. there is like, so that is actually in the image. You'll see it on uh, my personal Instagram. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's definitely a space that I spent a lot of time looking at and, and, and being in, you know, like it, but it's not a space that I necessarily take up. Right. The thing that threw me off about the, the, like the prompt and the actual hashtag is like neglected space. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so, but I'm telling you that it gets messy and there's cable management issues so that it falls in the neglect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like that interpretation. I think it, to me, it counts for sure. Okay. And I also <laughs> like how it's secondary to your body and space on a screen. Yeah. It's like background, you know, literally background. And what we were talking about with this shift from, trying to get things from the background of your life or your space into the foreground just by pointing a finger yeah. at them or drawing your attention, you know, trying to tune in more rather than things that we constantly tune out. Good for your neurons, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and if you're listening to this and not watching it on YouTube and you think that I'm just trying to get you to look at my Instagram account. It's actually, I'm just trying to get you to look at my guitars. <laughs> because my guitars are very cool. And I have a red one and I have a green one and I have a black one. <laughs> anyway, so number three. Number three is a local stone. So A, find a stone within one block's radius of your home. B, place it in a position that makes it look like a sculpture. C, take a photograph as if you were documenting artwork. So just kind of elevating something that could be kind of ordinary. Ooh, that's very diamond-like. Cool. Gosh. I, Do you think I it's a piece of granite? Uh, it does. It, it's hard to get it in focus, unfortunately. It looks kind of manufactured. You know, like it might be off a counter or chipped off. Like, does it have a hard polished edge on one facet? It is kind of, oh man, I wish I knew more about like rock words <laughs> so that I could be like, oh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely hard and it, it, it's granular, but it does have a bit of a polish to it as well. It's like a satiny kind of texture to it. So would you say it's something that looks like it was altered by a person, you know, like, yeah, it does. It, it, yeah. it looks like if it, um, building yeah, it looks, it's probably building material. It's probably not like a genuine like pebble. No, and, I, and then, and you had me thinking about the difference between a pebble and a rock and a stone, mm -hmm. which was interesting. So mm -hmm. I still feel like this might be like bordering on pebble, but it's, you know, it, but it's still a stone because stones are like a, a rock would be something like. Uh, you know, a bit like that you could beat someone to death with. I'm sorry for being so dark. <laughs> it's interesting. I've never, I, I think I would call all of those a stone. 
you know yeah. and then the subcategories within stone would be kind of it's very interesting to me how you have that. I wonder if that's like uh I wonder how that happened in my yeah. brain yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I started categorizing this I always huh? associate pebbles with something that's being very rounded by the sea or yes something kind yeah, of like yeah. you know circular in, in shape but that to me you know it reminds me of Chicago when you go to the beach here you don't mm -hmm. find a lot of you know I mean living by the sea in California you find amazing stuff like and the multitude of things that always seems to change you know if you go to the beach you you'll find any number of things and they're all very worn and ancient in Chicago you'll find something that looks like a stone and then you take it home and you realize it's actually a brick <laughs> that got really, <laughs> you know that got smoothed out yeah. yeah by the lake but then it's probably really beautiful because that's why you picked it up right yeah, yeah. totally yeah so a lot of the stuff you find on the beach here is man-made or from the building trade and also because during the Chicago fire, when the Chicago fire happened in 1871, they had to knock all that, you know, rubble down. And they basically just put it in the lake and it just gave Chicago more land. So it's a lot of, you know, infill land. So that's why there's a lot of sort of building material still on the beaches. I know that story and I let you tell it. But the whole time you were telling it, because most people probably don't know it, but the whole time you were telling it, all I was thinking is... I've never heard someone fit in a Chicago accent and an Irish accent at the same time. When you say Chicago, Chicago fire, fire, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's amazing. I, I want to just like isolate that. I'm not going to, you're, I'm not going to make you perform like a, like a, like, like some kind of animal. <laughs> but the way you say Chicago and fire. I when I do that here because that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they just they they're just noticing the Irish part of that. Not, they don't hear the Chicago. <laughs> They've tuned it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Chicago is. You see how I say it? <laughs> I don't say it how you say. It. I say it the wrong way. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's 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 a it's an amazing place. And I can see how there is also like it's almost like unruly the level of like um just like oh yeah, we can do whatever the fuck we want and put whatever buildings we want. <laughs> it's what I imagine Dubai is like. Like there's just like it's not a unified architectural style. I mean, I although I do know that uh birth of modernism uh, yeah but like but but you know there's there's like there's a real variety in terms of like approaches right it's not like like i don't know what do what do what do people know about la's downtown architecture like <laughs> <John Portman. laughs> you know i know san francisco probably has more of that but like I, you you get what i'm saying anyway Let's uh, let's move on because uh, we definitely have some more items to get to. I think we're at like, we've only done three. Three, yeah. Okay, number four is plastic container. A, keep a plastic container for some food, from some food or drink you buy almost every time you do grocery shopping. You can take it from the recycling. B, wash and clean the container and let it dry. I don't know if you had time to do that. And mm -hmm. then C, soak it to remove the label, but keep the label too. D, when it's dry, put the lid back on. Okay. 
This one is the one that I am like lessons the 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 like uh, I feel like because especially because it was a grocery store thing. You know, Ooh. this is a typical yeah. comp- container, yeah. but um, but this one's like if of all the objects, you know, in terms of like uh, it's the one that's least exciting for me. And I, and that's not like that's just a commentary on the object, not on like mm-hmm. and and you know like the natural inclination to sort of be more and less excited about specific things. This, what was that thing that you were saying about how we like categorize things? Yeah. So or even go you ahead. Mean in the taxonomy of collected items. <laughs> no, you were saying something about how like ordinary how we dismiss ordinary things yeah. this one this one is so ordinary for me that it like you know like when i when i went and i found that you have another one where you had me go find a piece of plastic you know like the envelopes have been exciting this is just like so pragmatic it's like because it's especially because it's something that i eat at uh you know like that i get at the grocery store somewhat regularly not almost always but regularly um you mind sharing yeah. what was in it Javier yes you have the label or oh cool cheddar broccoli, broccoli soup. soup so is this something that you that's so funny is that does that say signature cafe oh my god yeah that's so cool because is that Safeway brand no uh this is it's where is signature cafe probably Albertsons so really or weird is that that's the same brand as our Jewel. You know, the Jewel in Chicago. That's like the Jewel? The Jewel is like the most generic grocery store we have after Dominic's dropped out. There was Mariana's that took over too, but Jewel is like the most basic grocery store you can find in Chicago. And uh, It's so funny. No, no, I'm laughing because it's so funny. Like, Like, I don't know any of the grocery stores you're saying. Oh, really? Yeah, they're all <laughs> yeah. totally different. But I know Safeway just from having lived out in California, and I wondered if it was connected with Jewel. But Signature Cafe is the same brand they use at Jewel. I've never had Safeway out here. I think the oh. only place I've had Safeway was, or I don't know. I, I, it's been a long time since I shopped at a Safeway. Anyway, and then this is the other label, oh. which has the problematic part of me ah. eating this regularly nice. which is the net nutritional Delicious, fat right <laughs> yeah and then the other i get you know what now that i'm thinking the tactile experience of dismantling this thing because it wasn't something that i soaked it was like a sticky thing it's it's the one that was sticking to my other ones i have like you know i like almost want to crumple it up i will crumple keep it. yeah crumple it into a bowl just like okay. the yeah, there this go. is definitely now i feel better about it yeah, show it to me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so and I've, now it's just I the green. Show you some of my ones. Hold on. <laughs> I've been doing this, but I I mainly do it with uh, milk bottle containers, like milk gallons. I have an eight-year-old son, so we drink a lot of milk in our house, and I drink a lot of milk because I drink a lot of tea with mm-hmm. milk. And so after we finish the bottles, I soak the labels and then I roll them into these balls. And then some oh. of them, which are more kind of like plasticky, you know, they have like little appendages. I don't know if you can see this or not. Yeah, yeah I see it. Yeah. So some of them. So I've got like, I've been doing this probably since the pandemic started. So it's kind of a, <laughs> some of them are like beautifully round, you know, some of them are like really goofy looking. This one has like a little unicorn horn. 
kind mm. of thing. But yeah, they all depend. And then if it's a very vivid label or sticker, I usually tend to soak the papery kind of ones, but uh-huh. there's obviously some, you know, double coating plastic stuff on those as well. But yeah, I love the idea that you can get rid of the stickiness by just squashing it down and well it was such a relief to be able to get rid of the stickiness because uh i mean i haven't had it like that long but i i definitely uh have had it like that it long enough that i noticed that i'm like oh i don't like this one (laughs) but now that it's a ball so like can i ask you you said that to you it was very sort of like lowly object in terms of you know ordinariness it was more ordinary than most so like if you look at that did you find yourself finding anything out about it like did you notice how much engineering has gone into that to have it be like a seal that lasts through Mm -hmm. a shipping process that's probably taken there by truck you know that lives in the grocery store that then makes it home to your house without spilling you know like all those things are like incredible labor does your dad work at a bottling plant no (laughs) (laughs) my dad used to be a a furniture manufacturer actually no i'm teasing no actually the uh, great appreciation for those workers i tell you my god no i'm totally joking (laughs) (laughs) uh so no i think the main thing about it because the container still has stickiness to it because I think it is a stickiness issue. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why my video is going all like 1980s video, but it like it's kind of... like you have a filter of... on it or something. <laughs> I have Can no idea have what's happening. It looks dope though, so I'm just going to go with it. Awesome. But, uh, so okay, so... So yeah, so I mean, and also in terms of order ordinariness in the context of this presentation, right? Like, cause that's still very functional. Yeah. That's how good the engineering is, right? Like for me, it's like, well, it's a container. I could use it for fucking anything now, sure. right? Yeah. Unless like a, a stickiness aside. You could put stuff in your freezer. Do you know what's cool for the stickiness? If you get some chalk or any kind of powdery pigment is perfect. I, I've worked mm-hmm. with a lot of pigment, rub anything dry dry and powdery even like talcum powder over it and it just gets rid of all the stickiness and also goo gone if you don't want any residue at all and you want it to get goo gone just takes it all off but then again yeah have you are you familiar with that product no anything from anything but it's very you know corrosive greasy sort of oily it's really okay but yeah that's it off so what's the next one i'm just looking at all these things i think that we're like almost done though we are. So the we've already done number five, cardboard container. Number six yeah. is sound plastic. A, pick up a piece of plastic that someone else has discarded outdoors. It can be from anywhere, but should be from somewhere you usually spend time. And then B, wash and clean it so that it can be handled without gloves. Because do you really want to pick up trash without gloves? <laughs> so I don't know. I did pick up the trash without gloves, but then I washed it in my hands. Cool. Okay. But- I'm going to leave that one for last because that's the one that I'm most excited about. So then let's go on to the next one. So number seven is just something red. A, collect something with red on it. And then B, you can have a little or a lot of red. Okay. Ooh, nice. It's my pipit for uh, refilling and cleaning my... Oh, it's not for refilling. It's more for cleaning. 
my uh, technical pens, the drawing pens, the ones that mm-hmm. are for like the. Uh, I don't want to plug any particular, but they're technical <laughs> pens. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, this thing is cool. It like. Does it begin uh, with R? <laughs> huh? Does it begin with R? Yes, it does. <laughs> and <laughs> ends with awesome. Edograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and is, like, iconic, and everybody recognizes them, even though they don't know what they are by name. But, yeah, so so this thing has the, uh, the air. And one of the most satisfying things is when you put this up to the Rapidograph and you're blowing water out of the tip. And it just comes like this little sharp line, and and you're like, oh, it's clean. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if people people know what a repeatograph pen is like when you take it apart, but it has so many little different pieces that you have to like separate, get in there, and clean up all the ink. Uh, If you look at the actual pipette, it's a pipette, right? Or pipette? Peep? Is it a pipette? Pipette? I don't know. I've only a, read the word. Yeah. But I don't know if that's what it's called. I would call it like a bulb filler. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I love it because it looks like a clown's nose. It's got yes. this yes. comical. <laughs> 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 or like the, you know, the old horns on the clown's cars or something. Yeah. Like. A klaxon. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I... The reason I asked you about red, I realized I was surrounded. I have these casts of containers, but all of them have various different red leg, red lids. I actually had a hard time finding anything that wasn't red. So there's like, uh-huh. I'm surrounded by things with red lids. I find people put red on a lot of different kinds of lids. And I've just been using red and I want to find out if it's something that's easy. Did you find that, like, did that come into your head right away when you heard the red thing? Oh, I mean, this was like the third thing that I had available to me. (laughs) Because then it it draws me back to your neglected space with the red guitar in the background there on screen. I mean, I could have just picked that one, obviously. (laughs) That was the first thought. (laughs) So what was it about the pipette or the the klaxon? Um, Actually, the second thing that I chose was the... uh, Well, first of all, it was because it was going to be so easy to just hold. And now that like, and there's a tactile thing that is uh, like, it just, it felt like, I don't know, something about, I I didn't even like really fidget with it. Like I'm doing now, just, there's something about it made it, uh, it's dulled red, but it was once vibrant red because of all the ink that's on it. And I don't know. It just stood out for me. Record of your marks, you know, it's kind of, it's a cool patina yeah patina exactly and uh i mean i could also just show you the like table that i have under my uh, you you know like red is a big color i mean i like right i definitely notice it everywhere there's uh there's a an abundance if like (laughs) if i was on lsd right now i would be freaking out because you were just like do you ever notice red and i'd be like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's such an activating color and I find it's good. I wonder if the reason that item is so satisfying to you is because you associate it with getting yourself into kind of a flow state, you know, mm-hmm. when you're drawing, you're sort of like in that mode of uh, you're sort of connecting mind and body somehow. So yeah. you know, 
for me, red sort of does that. It brings us really into our bodies, right? Because mm -hmm. it's such a grounding color. It's like the color of the first chakra to be very Californian, you know? Yeah. But yeah. It, it's something that's- It'll mark us. Like <laughs> <laughs> Look, I live there too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this very vibrant, activating color, you know, when you no. see- I, I mean, the reason that I have a red guitar and only one is because I limit myself because there is something, I don't know, like, it, there's two colors in guitars that, like, it's, it's red and black, and I have to, like, not, I have to force myself not to only buy red and black guitars. <laughs> I don't even like red and black as a combination, you know, they they represent AC Milan, which the other okay. thing that the other red thing that I was going to show you was the my was my Roma scarf, okay. which is the AC Roma scarf, which they're the Giallo Rossi's. But I but that one, I don't know why I chose this one instead. This one just felt like a little bit more uh, more like resonant to me. And, and I mean, because the, the scarf just sits on a shelf. I don't wear it, you know, it, or not on a shelf like it sits like displayed but it's not like something that like i interact with whereas this there's like a tactile element to it where um grouping it with the other stuff was was satisfying i love that choice i really i'm surprised by it and i just love that you brought that to the conversation because it's funny i've been thinking you know how you hear in when people talk about because a lot of what I'm talking about is trying to pay attention to the moment to focus on things to be mindful, you know, to use that like meditation phrase. But I, I sort of am very interested in ordinary mindfulness, like not mindful where you need a sacred altar mindfulness where you just allow for you know, what's called in Buddhism emptiness, but it's always been mistranslated. Like emptiness in Buddhism really means openness, right? So the mm. idea that, you know, it's not the bowl that's useful, it's the space inside. Like your bulb makes you pay attention to taking one item from one thing and putting it in another. Yeah, You know, it's very utilitarian. It's, it's, a, it's an item that function that it has a satisfying use for me like I said with the squeezing the the water through and cleaning it up but mm -hmm. it's a tool that's in service of another tool it almost doesn't have a use for me personally I mean obviously that th you can always use something that you can squeeze air and water through right <laughs> like that's gonna have some uses but for me like it it's a tool that serves a greater purpose and uh in some ways if I don't use it it's an indication that I haven't had time to really care for these things right like for for the things that help me care for the the self right like in the idea of like um if we are to accept that like if you're an artist and you don't make art you will be frustrated right like which I think is like kind of a given right so um so yeah anyway I'm really, I, I'm really having fun with this. I, I, it's, and it's what's cool. Like, I definitely, we're, we've, we're having all this crazy amounts of conversation, but this is something that this is like a scavenger hunt where the conversation is more involved than the actual. Like, it was something I did in passing, right? It didn't take me more than like, like, it, it, if it took me more than a cumulative like half hour hour, I would be shocked. 
right? Ooh. I'm going to uh, give myself that much space. But like I did it after work, you know, uh, while I was laying around and just trying to rest and stuff. So, so this has been really fun. And now I, I get, I'm so excited to show you what, <laughs> oh, yeah, the last what I'm most excited about. It's that, the that thing that I found time. outside. Okay. Go ahead and read the prompt. Yeah. <laughs> found plastic. Go ahead. Read the prompt. Oh, yeah. Found plastic. Uh, pick up a piece of plastic that someone else has discarded outdoors. It can be from anywhere, but it should be from somewhere you usually spend time. Be wash and clean it so that it can be handled without gloves. Okay. I'm not confident enough with this item to use it for its actual use. <laughs> <laughs> but here it is. Ooh. A boba straw bright yellow so vivid oh cool and it's, and got, it's like go ahead. Off at the end or it's got a little dent so oh, th this yeah. is this is the uh the part that you would pierce the tapioca tea thing oh. like at the top it's the really sharp edge and i oh i'm sorry you're in chicago <laughs> it may have been a while since you've had some boba tea i actually don't i've never tasted boba <laughs> Bubble. Is it like bubble tea? It's like no boba. It's so boba, boba are like tapioca balls oh, that yeah, they put yeah, in yeah. in tea. So it's this drink that's like really big out here. I don't know its origins. It's probably got some like uh, they cultural, have... yeah, cultural like uh, roots that I'm not familiar with. But um, yeah, man, this thing is cool. Like I just <laughs> love the idea, yeah. and. and you know, not even because it's political. <laughs> I just realized like the baggage that a straw has, but it's it's also kind of funny because they don't ask you for if you want a straw anymore. They just give it to you like all that fucking drive that we were on. You know, it's like fuck that, dude. Like the world's ended. <laughs> but that's why we've got to be aware of these things, and we've yeah, got yeah. to sort of like put more value on them and just try. I mean, there's. So you know, part of this too came from when I was really, really broke and living as an artist student, you know, and like not really wanting or being able to afford many sculptural materials. <laughs> like, why would you buy new things when we are drowning in plastic and surrounded by these highly engineered items that we use once and then we just throw it away, even if it's something we could use again and again and again? You know, so I, I love that idea that you can sort of take all this latent energy that's just going to end up damaging a turtle or something in the sea and actually harness it and use it for art and make people see it in a different way. I love that. That's great. What a great And for, for people that don't know, because we kind of alluded to it, but you're, you work mostly in uh, Something that I took a lot of resentment when a recent guest was like, oh, you know, like, I, not at the guest, but at the people the guest was referencing that think that collage is like for kids. And I was like, uh, excuse me, photomontage advertising, like, shut up, <laughs> not the guest. Marshall's been belittled and, you know, scorned since its very inception and you know before it was adopted as the main media by the dadaists so by yeah. the modern movement you know by the avant-garde in paris there were victorian women who were collaging their lives i mean collages that were done before picasso or Gris. i'm sure they went to england or they saw some images of this 
you know, people used to scoff at it because these women were not allowed to be artists, you know, <sighs> like how we're seeing quilt makers as artists now. But, you know, collage has this such a rich legacy, you know, yes. but I don't just do collage. I, I use collage as more like a diaristic medium, more like a... So on your Instagram, that's what you do mostly. Yeah, well, so every January, for the past two years at least, I've done a collage every day in January just to start my year off. And I call them warm-up drawings, my January warm-up drawings, partly because it's bloody freezing here. And also, you know, just to warm myself up for creativity for the year, I feel like it's a good practice for me. And doing something every day helps me really sort of just think about what I want to do with the rest of the year. But I'm actually a sculptor. Oh, okay. So I I do also love using um, found and discarded materials for sculptural purposes. And I also have an architecture degree. So I came to Chicago and I realized that the things I wanted to build were way too big. I It was beyond my knowledge of how to put them together. So I actually went back to architecture school and got a master's of architecture. So I've had this very kind of sidelined career through architecture and I got into that mode of like you said you know I wasn't making art I was too busy to um actually have a daily practice to be an artist I didn't consider myself an artist for a good while there and I Wait, realized you, that, you stopped considering yourself an artist yeah I kind of was somewhere between art and architecture but oh. I was practicing as an architect okay. and I also taught, but I taught in a design capacity, you know, design fundamentals and things that definitely weren't fine art, you know, and it's only in the last probably two or three years that I really have been growing back into considering myself a full-time artist, that this is what okay. I do. This is my practice, you know, was and there, was there... <laughs> of course, with what that allows me to do. <laughs> Were, were you, was there a, uh, like, when you, did, was there a sense that you were growing up when you, that, that I don't know if that's like a, a societal thing that I, I, that, that I feel the pressure of, but when you, when you, when you became an architect, yeah did you feel like there was like a growing up thing that maybe you felt and then maybe now you feel like, no. That's not why I did it. And I don't think that was the case. I mean, okay. obviously, although it's not that much easier. So my husband is an architect. I cannot, I'm not legally allowed to call myself an architect because I, even though I have an architectural degree, a three-year master's, I did not do the requisite training after that degree, even though I practiced before that degree as an architect. And I didn't do the nine difficult okay. exams that make you pass the equivalent of the bar but you don't okay. get paid like a lawyer when you're an architect <laughs> it's a very grueling profession to become a part of but I did need to learn what architects know and that's why I did that and I actually when I was in CCAC I had this interdisciplinary career there where I sat in on undergraduate architecture classes and I participated in studio work with them and that's what led me to believe that I needed to do more of this and I got a job when I came to Chicago with a really cool firm called Kappa which is no longer in existence um, one of the principals Tom Foreman uh, died a, a good few years ago now but the other um, the other person that founded Kappa Chicago Architects Planners and Associates and it was an amazing 
group. It's sort of like very Bauhaus-driven aesthetics and ideals mm. in Chicago. And they brought me into their family when I first came here. And I became sort of like an experimental intern for them. And, you know, I learned so much. They were still doing drawings by hand. This was in 1999. And, um, but they were one of the last firms to do hand drawings and have them be official drawings. So I would run, you know, blueprints for them through the Blue Line machine. And um, I loved working there. And then I got an actual job like doing CAD, like as a CAD monkey for years. And then I realized, no, I want to teach. So I taught design. And then once I graduated as an architect, you know, talk about growing up, like it was at the height of the last recession. It was my graduation year was like 2007. And uh, as you know, all hell broke loose. And I think everyone who had a job in architecture even in Chicago, got fired at the same time. It was a huge yeah. blow to the profession. And I mean, we keep thanking God that it hasn't really hit the construction. The pandemic hasn't affected architecture like it did during the last recession. Thank yeah. God. But, you know, I sort of went through that. And so my career once again got sidelined. I, I became the executive director of a nonprofit, but it was an architecture nonprofit. Mm. And it was called Sacred Space International. And uh, the founder had this vision, you know, to do some things. And then it sort of spiraled out and dissolved eventually. So I've kind of had this, I always feel like I've had this very meandering river of a career, you know, and it's, believe it or not, it's led me right back here where I started, you know, when I got yeah. my master's in fine art in 1998. I feel like I'm a re-emerging artist, because you know? all my contacts in Chicago are architects and yeah. architecture community you know i i've been really getting to know artists here just for the last probably 10 years or so you know yeah which is not long in chicago time people live here forever you know well and chicago is a pretty big art city i'm trying to have more people from the city oh, that's uh, great. you know yeah if you need any show. recommendations let me know there's such a great oh, yeah. community here people yeah for sure definitely yeah. i'm always looking for that because you, uh, as one individual, when you start a podcast, you realize that you're limited in the amount of people that you can actually know. <laughs> you, have, you know that podcast where the the last guest recommends the next guest? You know, it's like... I don't know, which, which show is that? Oh, that sounds exhausting, it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was, was it like, maybe it was some kind of NPR thing. It was like a music thing or sound thing. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Like, yeah. But I, I love that idea. But, you know, being an artist... I, I told you I had an eight, I have an eight-year-old son. He's out at his grandparents tonight now that they're vaccinated. We, <laughs> we have babysitting again, which is wonderful. Yeah. So my husband has him out at his parents in the suburbs of Chicago. But um, I really do see myself as an artist and mother, you know, that yeah. those two things are what comprises my practice, that my practice is, you know, of focusing on ordinary phenomenon, which I did long before I got married, had a child, you know, I've always been doing this, but I feel like I want my practice as an artist to be holistic enough to include my life as a mother, you know, to include yes. my son um, and to include... I get what you're saying, because yeah. there's there's a very, uh, I especially like, there's a very romanticized sort of like patriarchal uh, a perspective on, and it's, it's, a, it's really healthy to state that especially as a boundary for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, t I am, uh, I am not a mother and artist, but I am definitely not 
uh, willing to fucking suffer <laughs> for art, which yeah. is, I think, uh, you know, like, like, I mean, I'm, uh, you get what I'm saying? Like, I think that there's this, like, this, um, well, it used to be, I mean, your point is exactly right. You know, the art world is one of the last bastions of white male you know, supremacy, a completely patriarchal and completely capitalistic yeah. system where, you know, the final object is a marketable commodity. You know, our practitioners don't have guidelines, even like architects do or lawyers or anybody else. You know, we don't have professional guidelines for yeah. our discipline, which I think is a real mistake. But I feel like there's really, there is in motion now a revolution of artist-driven change. And it begins with people accepting that this is one part of a more holistic life. You yeah. know, that the you don't have to be this starving artist in a garret and you don't have to pretend you don't have children so you can succeed in a gallery environment. You know, there's a wonderful um, community of artist mothers that I've been so lucky to become a part of in the past year. And it's called the Artist Mother Podcast. And I highly recommend it. And the founder of that, Caelan Butine, has just been such a brilliant community builder. And she's created sort of a network. It's off Instagram now. It's kind of our own network. Mm. But I really feel like I'm part of a revolution. You know, it's very yeah. artist driven. It's caring. It's kind. It's like this culture of abundance that I never came across in the art world or in the architecture world. And yeah. it's, you know, because we're mothers and we have a lot yeah. of restrictions, but we're working despite those restrictions to include us and our community you know, as we go forward. So I love that. Yeah. It's so great to be a part of it. That's amazing. I wish my mom had had resources like that because she's yeah. definitely one of my big influences growing up. But Is she an I, artist? I feel, yeah, she's a ceramicist. But, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Have you ever interviewed her? No, that would be a lot of baggage. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Cuba, you said, or? Well, yeah, she's she's Cuban. No, mostly because she's never watched the show. <laughs> you should tell her to watch this one. Tell her it's about artist mothers <laughs> and ordinary objects. <laughs> and ordinary objects. I've told her to watch so many, and uh, I, wow. I I don't know what it is, but you know you know how it is with parents. They're, they're, I'm just gonna chalk it up to uh, tech savvy. But anyway, I didn't want to make it like a painful thing. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I do feel like she's a very talented person, but she didn't have access to those things. And I think that that's kind of the thing that we're talking about, where it's like, who the fuck am I? I'm nobody. But like now I have a podcast where I talk to artists and like now I am creating a reality where I am an artist that talks to artists. Right. Like so. Uh, and people send me on. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, treasure hunts what not uh, scavenger hunts <laughs> and uh and, and ordinary things yeah yeah right. and stuff like that and uh and so i mean it's definitely a different way of living and, and experiencing the world right like do you I see think... your role as an artist or your your because i i feel like my vocation is as an artist right i kind of yeah. would find it a lot easier not to be an artist do you feel the same way? Like, do you, what do you have to do to create that path for yourself in your life? Like you have another job that's not art related. Is yeah. I, I work it right now. I'm working in sales and my day job that I'm trying to transition into in which I am, I'm getting some leeway and I'm working on an, uh, a, a couple other podcasts, but 
So, so production in podcasting, because I think content creation is like, mm-hmm. so you, the way that we were saying it, I'm going to rephrase it in the context of the way that you were first uh, heading it. And, and that's the, uh, the idea that like the way that I see my, myself is like, I am an out, I, I'm a person that is, that needs to have these interactions and I'm not really like, I know that there's like sort of this like bouginess to art that I think can kind of be, can make it inaccessible to people. And I find that that is alienating and keeps people from accessing very talented and very smart artists. Right. Like, and I think that, I think that there's like definitely an impulse in sort of this purity thing and like complete control. But I mean, if artists aren't influencers, then like we're st- we're left with just like models, right? And <laughs> but you know, Javier, we're moving from what we've been in for a long time now. Since I told you about that time in San Francisco, the information age, like that's ending. We're moving yeah. into a new age of conceptual thought, and I I just have a great feeling that artists are going to be needed. No, we, I feel. You know, yeah, I feel like more. we definitely have have a place. I feel like there's okay. So basically, the show is just. I used to watch, listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and that's how I became aware of a lot of comedians, right? Mm-hmm. And comedians all have their own little perspective on the world, and so do artists. And so maybe the show's not going to be as funny as a comedy show. I'd like it to be sometimes, <laughs> but you know, uh. I'd, but sometimes people are actually like, it's just a different in space. So people are actually talking about what they're comfortable with. And if they're not funny people, like I don't expect them to be, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely learn a lot of interesting things. I mean, sometimes I get frustrated with just like, um, how much work it takes to like fucking do this. But at the same time, what I get out of it is like, insane like you know like i went to the, th- through this thing where i was like at first i was like uh i have to do the scavenger hunt because like what the fuck <laughs> you know and and it was like i'm tired Thank you i'm tired it, no but it was like but i mean this is like kind of like but it's it's more about like it wasn't even just my commitment to you it's my commitment to the thing yeah. right and and i gave you permission to do whatever you wanted and i couldn't be upset at you i was more upset about like i was just more frustrated with the like entirety of doing the show right and then but then now we've done it and i knew that the gold was going to come from the actual interaction of talking about it and it has been a rewarding experience. And like I said, as we were presenting the items, I wasn't like, um, it wasn't necessarily a magical experience to go find this straw. But once I pulled it out and cleaned it, I became really excited about it because you asked me to find something and I found you some stuff. And so like, so those, those things just like, it's, it's like, uh, it's, um, I think that like your mind can be really a powerful thing. And I think that, you, you know, one of the reasons that it's worldviews, explore and expand your worldviews is just like sometimes you just need to get out of your fucking space, right? And that can be political or it can also be just... Um, physical. Uh, <laughs> physical, but also like, oh, what's the word? What's the word for that? It's like a seemingly inconsequential, but, but uh, like, 
I don't know. There's a word that I'm trying to get. Maybe it doesn't exist, but like, but that, you know, what you said, I've learned so much just from your response, what you brought to our shared, you know, table here. And the most exciting thing for me is that, you know, this works like what you said about art being this bougie thing. Like, let's make, let's just rename it. Let's just say, you no, know, exactly. something is so important and powerful. And by renaming something, you can say, okay, well, this is art for the proletariat. This is art for everyone. This is everyday yeah. objects that we are, by simply naming it, by finding it, by revealing it, you know, by decontextualizing it, because I think taking it out of its environment was really important and holding it up in front of a Zoom yeah. camera with an, during an artist podcast like that really decontextualized your straw right and then yeah, we could yeah. it for what it is it's inherent craftsmanship it's beauty i would say you know and that's design, yeah. <laughs> you know? so i'm really glad you know you had that experience and that you brought it but, here but i think that i think that what you like you know like even the thing of where you where where i just casually was like i just want to crumble it up and i felt like that was like you know against what you wanted but then you were like no this is like what you know this is the logical conclusion of doing this and then like let me see but like there's almost an insanity there of like collecting labels and taking the fucking time to do that you know like for example like I had a piece that I still have like I'm gonna end up throwing it up because it's been spoiled by rain because I just didn't have space to store it but all this like junk mail that was like sent to my house Mm -hmm. and the house had a uh, one of those slot mailboxes so it wasn't coming into a box that I was taking out of and tossing it was just piling up into the house but like that shit is worthless but it's still got a worth once you collect all of it I'm really sad that it's like that it that I got you make it into papier mache you know yeah no I get that I I, paper paper crease (laughs) <laughs> people are making if you just google papercrete oh my god it's like concrete except made with paper pulp oh um, my god people are making the most amazing things my friend oh my god <laughs> yeah my friend amy lambert is actually taking a course in papercrete she's a ceramicist herself and it's just i love that that you can use something papercrete sounds so cronut to me <laughs> <laughs> cool and you can mix it no i get it it's cool like make it super durable and but but the point the point being that so like what i was what i I guess the point that i was trying to make is that you were saying that like about the bouginess and like and i think that i think that to some degree there is like an incentive for people that have spent a lot of money on their education and stuff like that and i'm not invalidating that but like when the stakes are like i am in fucking debt for the rest of my life you want to overcomplicate things, right? <laughs> like you, and you, and you want it to be maybe a little bit more special than it was because that, because, you know, but like it's accessible to people like fucking this kind of thinking. It's not like, it's just critical thought. Right. And, it, and we apply it to visual, to a visual medium, which maybe might be more, a more accessible way to get into critical thought in general, but that's not like, you know, when you go to school and you learn about art, it is about critical thinking, right? It's not about, um, like you can't just paint something and not like, not, not justify why you're painting it. Or like, you know, you have to be able to say to some degree, your intention, even if it's an abstract conceptual one, like, even more so, 
Yeah, yeah, more, yeah. You have to be specific <laughs> about like I want there to be some ambiguity here about what you're looking at, and, and and in these ways, and is that like because if it's not succeeding, then you're not making the work because the whole point of the work is to communicate the idea that you want to get out, right? But like that shit isn't that complicated. You don't need to fucking read a lot of different things. You don't need to look even that much at that much art, right? Like to to some degree you can intuit that. And I think that that, that that is like, like going back to the thing about like, that you asked me about what, how we see each other as artists. Like, I think that like, in terms of like incorporating this show into my practice, like it is the thing that I'm most committed to. That's great. Because, you know, That's because. practice. I think it's, it, it sort of embodies all the things you were talking about from what I've, you know, heard yeah. you talk about it in your art practice it's it's just a change of medium but i think you know the segregation of discipline is just really damaging to artists and to everyone else like we're makers of culture whatever that means whatever medium you need we're really in the currency of ideas and concepts and critical thinking like you talked about that can apply to every aspect of our society and really create good changes for people you know there's a lot wrong with our world right now and we have the ability to to make change by just keeping true to our own vocation and our own practice. And what's interesting about now in the U.S. is that this is the first time, and like this is going to resonate the more time passes by, but this is the first time in history where the efforts of people that started businesses, started restaurants, put their livelihood to feed their family their effort is worth as much as ours. And it's a tragic thing and it shouldn't be that way. It should it should have always been that art was valued and that all of this stuff was valued. But like, so, so it's a really, really topsy-turvy world right now. And I think that one of the main reasons that they didn't give us money the way that other countries have received is because they know that that, you know, like you have, that's capital that you can start businesses with. And they didn't want new businesses to start up because they don't want that competition. Anyway, like that's not conspiracy theory. That's just the facts. <laughs> like right now, the whole, okay, the, basically the reason that they are not giving people money so that they can't pay their rent is because they want the bankrupt, they want the landlords to go bankrupt so that the creditors can collect on on property, which is what they did in 2009. And so, so like within that context, an artist is no more like uh, of a fucking deadbeat <laughs> than someone that's put their entire fucking lives into something, their blood, sweat, and tears. It's just heartbreaking, you know? Well, your point about it being a leveling, you know, like an, it's, it's making a lot of things that were very different from each other sort of valued the same. And it's actually, I mean... It could destroy a lot of things, but it can also lead to huge renewal and huge, you know, way of practicing. Like think of all the art galleries that are going to go out of business, that have gone out of business and the artist run organizations that are going to emerge out of this. Yeah. Think of all the spaces that can open up in shuttered storefronts now, even probably in downtown LA, you know, there it's happening in New York for sure. You know, I feel like 
And as well, you know, the art world used to be that you had to be in the center of New York City or LA or even, you know, Chicago, like as an afterthought, you know, but now you can be in rural Mississippi, Alabama, North Carolina, and you can have the same access to shows, openings, artist talks, lectures. It's really a level equal field right now and for people like me who have a small child that you have to put to bed and stay on it I'm doing remote schooling with my son school my son that must be insane for over a year well it's just one of those things you work around despite the odds you know it's something like I've tried to lean in (laughs) instead of leaning into my career I've started to like just lean right out (laughs) you know and just like get into this ordinary life that I I have to craft you know meaning like my life was quite similar before the pandemic because I was sort of emerged in this domestic environment I wasn't working at the time and now it's just more like that you know my husband's working from home my son is doing school in his bedroom everybody's on top of each other but for me it's a unique opportunity to test out all these ideas I've had about like how can you balance work and life together in this space you know like I've just been trying to you know do this in my home studio just use it as like a laboratory for how do you know (laughs) trying to rise above it and see like how do people function when they're on top of each other like this? You know, it is crazy making and it's such a huge relief when the two of them are gone. For yeah, no, I mean, I'm so glad that I've been alone this whole year. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, it, that, that's driven you to seek these interactions with people. Yeah, like, definitely. You, you with know? boundaries and like, no, you know, yeah. no, no resentments. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> not that this show doesn't build resentments. I'm sure it does. I'm sure not everybody that's been on the show is happy with like how they were represented and stuff like that. But that's well, just I really do. I want to say like I really applaud your generosity of spirit in just reaching out and inviting me to be part of it. I you know thanks a lot. I've I've really it's been, it. it's been lovely. I mean this is why I do it. I, I it, uh, if it was unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of nervous letting down your your boundaries enough to sort of interact with a stranger, but it's been very useful for me. I've learned you you sort of just went right ahead with my instructions, and I really appreciate that. You know, I oh, didn't no, know, yeah. I was like asking um, too I, much of you, but it was it was really fun. So thank no, you. No, it was it was great. Like when I saw the list, it was just a matter of breaking down what I needed to do, and then once <laughs> I had that, it was like, oh, it's just seven things. Oh, it's just three things left. You know, like it was it was easy to knock out. But yeah, I, this has been really lovely. I really appreciate you taking the time and I definitely want to help promote whatever you've got going on. Do you have some stuff that you'd like to plug? I do. I, gosh, I, I have three things that are happening in the next probably month or two, um, four. <laughs> I'm teaching a class on collage and meditation at the Evanston Arts Center and the wonderful thing about it is that it's online so people in California can attend people in New York they've had 24 states attend classes there this is my first uh, time teaching at the Evanston Arts Center so I'm really honored to have been invited and yeah. I just sort of want to bring what I did in January you know that collecting everyday items and putting them together to try and create meaning from your life, you know, and use collage and meditation to just help us ground and relax during this time. The other thing is I took part in a remote residency last year as part of the weaving mill uh, warp, they call it W-A-R-P. 
um, Emily Winter runs the weaving mill here in Chicago. She's what is a remote residency? Amazing. It's a virtual residency. <laughs> you have a, an, a physical, you know, art <laughs> residence at the weaving mill. And um, instead of that, um, <laughs> you get to see we, it. <laughs> we, you could, you know, we, we, everybody who applied for that residency. I, I'm, I, I, I'm sure it's a lovely thing. But I'm going to speak for you and say it sounds like you got the short end of the deal. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it was actually one of the most amazing things I did in 2020. Yeah. It was so cool. So Emily worked with this cotton mill that had to shut down production really suddenly. And they got all this cotton waste byproduct um, that they just called fluff. And it so it's basically kind of looks like you can sort of see that. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's exactly what I looked at. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) it's kind of cool. You can just sort of point to the... Yeah, you just have random fluff in your... (laughs) She sent everybody that participated in this residency, you know, at home, pretty much, a big bunch of this material. And it's so light. So, you know, a a regular-sized envelope of this leads to a huge amount of fluff. So I just played with it and saw it as a material opportunity and I made all sorts of stuff. And that material is going to be in a show in Brooklyn um, in May, which is cool. Kind of a new gallery, which I'll po- I'll send you a message if you want yeah. to post it because I, I don't even know if they have an Instagram yet. But um, I'm really excited about that. I'm actually going to go to New York uh, to deliver the artwork because a lot of it's concrete so it's kind of heavy <laughs> look at you with your vaccine <laughs> well hopefully please god i'll be fully vaccinated by then i know it's like nerve-wracking but um <laughs> i feel very blessed and grateful to yeah have no i'm saying that's great man i'm just the more i hear about us going back to normal the more like i'm like really really are we yeah, gonna do hard it to, yeah, <laughs> hard to conceive of and then the other thing is I was selected as part of an exhibition that's organized by the Stay Home Gallery in Paris, Tennessee. And one of my nice. ephemeral arches, actually the first one I ever made, it's the small one, is going to be in that show. And that'll be a virtual exhibition. But it'll be- <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that <laughs> makes it more accessible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. in a physical space. So we had to ship the artwork there and it's all going to be set up. And it's actually part of a residency and a studio residency that um, Kaylin Butine from the Artist's Mother podcast. It's her former mm. home in Tennessee that she's opened as a gallery. In, oh, in nice. It's a really cool thing. So I feel really glad and happy to be involved in that. And then there's one more show here in Chicago. Um, I just got invited to become part of Karen Dana and Emily Linskog's show at Heaven Gallery, which is um, a really cool space in Chicago. So I feel that'll be a print of my one of my large screens made of cardboard containers. <laughs> and you Are can you showing that. any sculpture? Is it, 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 yeah. in, it, It's okay. actually a print of a sculpture, but it's okay. a sculpture that's installed in my home. Um, it's called Supported Screen. And it was designed for a space that's kind of a superfluous opening. Mm-hmm. If you've been to Chicago, you know, all the vintage apartments here, like they've got all of these little neglected corners and spaces that I just love. And in our house, there's like a regular sized opening with no doorway. And then right next door to that, there's like a giant eight foot opening for no reason. Wow. <laughs> so I installed a screen made out of cardboard containers. They're all gessoed and primed and, and sort of quilted together. But there's a lot of negative space in it. You can see it on my website. It's um, okay. 
www at www and then my first and last name Deirdre D E I R D R E Colgan C O L G A N Jones dot com. Man, yeah. I thought I was messing up your sec your middle name, <laughs> and I realized like I'm like having horrible flashbacks to my dyslexia. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's crazy when I'm at work. Sometimes people will like uh like I'll start to say a number. And I like I have this thing. I, I actually the woman that I dated in Chicago. She she was the first person that like was like, like no like, I had explained it to people. But when I see numbers, so uh, dyslexia is like a phonetic thing. So when I see numbers, I know what number it is, right? As, if it's a string of numbers. But I'll start saying the wrong number. It'll be like, you know, like it'll be somehow related. Like it'll be four or something, you know, but like, so yeah. So I, I spend most of my life, like not reading people's names on Instagram. So I so apologize for that. But anyway, and then you are at Deirdre Colgan Jones at, uh, on Instagram, right? With underscores. No, no underscore. No, just one word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely follow that. That's a good follow. And we are at what's my thesis on Instagram. And I am at Javier Proenza on Instagram, which is where you'll see me post the picture from this conversation. And uh, yeah, you can find us on YouTube. Subscribe there. And you can find us on uh, wherever you get your podcasts audio wise. Thank you so much for being on the show, Deirdre, and I'd love to have you again at some point once I can get a handle on having two guests a week. <laughs> when I can finally... Thank you finally... for having me, Javier. Pleasure to meet you virtually. Anyway. I look forward to seeing you. This is not virtual. This was a real experience. <laughs> That's right. It totally was. <laughs> Bye. Especially Thanks. with physical elements and, uh, and right. tactile responses. All right, I'm going to stop recording. All right.